say hallelujah to you, Lord Jesus. You are worthy of the highest praise that we can give you. So we honor your name and we bless your name. And one more time we say hallelujah. Amen. Good afternoon, 2.30 service. How are you all doing? Thank you, worship team. Why don't you take your seats and say hello to somebody next to you as you're seated. It's good to see you all. Have you had a good day so far? Have you had a good day? Fantastic. Wonderful to see you. So we're talking today at the 2.30 about the power of one. Now, two weeks ago, Gabriel introduced the series talking about how to get plugged into the power of God. So I hope by now that some of you, if not all, are plugging in to that power of God. Last week, we heard from Christian, and we saw a demonstration of what the ingredients of power can mean. We saw people being prayed for. I understand there was a lady who had a problem with her leg, and that seems to have got better. So there was at least one healing that took place. And so we were learning about the ingredients of power last week. And this week, we want to look at what unified power looks like. Um, I'm going to look at two perspectives. So the first perspective I'm going to talk about is what is often referred to in Christendom as the Trinity or the triune God. Now, in all my searchings, I haven't found those words in the Bible anywhere, but I have found scriptures that speak about the Godhead, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, in some versions, and Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Some versions say the Godhead. But we're talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of God. The Father, as we all know, is the one who created us. He is the kind of head of the three. The Son, we can know him as our prophet, as our priest, as our king, but definitely our savior. The Holy Spirit, the sanctifier, the teacher, the comforter, the one who comes to help us. So I'm saying the one, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But what is unified power? Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, a very familiar scripture. Matthew 28 and verse 19. Therefore go and make disciples in all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the world. But it's interesting here that as the Great Commission is given to go and make disciples, that we're told, or the disciples at the time were told to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, not the names as if they are one. Another scripture, John chapter 1. I'm reading from the version of the Living Bible. 
It says, before anything else existed, I love this version, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive and is himself God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he did not make. Eternal life is in him, and this life gives light to all mankind. His life is the light that shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Extinguish it. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. That's what this version says. He has always been alive and is himself God. So here the scripture is showing us that there's a oneness to the Father and a oneness with the Son, and that the Son was always there, creating from the beginning. Yes, these are basics, first of all, but we're going somewhere. Genesis chapter 1, again from the Living Bible. When God began creating the heavens and the earth, the earth was a shapeless, chaotic mess, with the Spirit of God brooding over the dark vapors. And so God is our creator, but the Spirit of God was involved in creating the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, involved in creating. In John chapter 15, uh, my scripture reference is wrong actually, but I'll, I'll tell you that in, in the book of John, there is the promise of the Holy Spirit who is called the Comforter. So here again, we hear that when Jesus was leaving the earth, he was telling his disciples, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm sending my spirit. I'm sending the comforter to be with you. So that aspect of God was going to be with us in the earth, the Holy Spirit. Lots of scriptures speak of the Godhead, speak of what we call the Trinity or the triune God. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 1 Peter 1.1, 1, 1. we could go on and on and on, Titus 3, 4-6. So you understand that I was simply, simply establishing what we already know, that God is three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now I want to ask a question. They have behaved together, working together, moving together, operating together so that creation happened. They worked together. God said, he spoke the word, which is Christ, the Holy Spirit hovered over. What would have happened if they'd been out of sync? What would have happened if one of them decided not to work together, not to agree? I was thinking about this. What would the whole plan of salvation have looked like? Would it have taken place? The fact is that they had to be unified for power to come. The power of creation happened because they were in unity, they were in agreement. Look at all the things through the ages that took place because they worked together through the ages for the greatest plan on earth. Through Abraham, through Isaac and Jacob, Joseph, who was used to form a nation, 
we heard about last week, last Sunday. Right the way through to Moses and Joshua, appointing of the judges, then the kings come in, then the great exile. All of these things, the Holy Spirit would be at work in agreement with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. If they had not been in agreement, those ages would not have taken place. So then Elizabeth and Zacharias wouldn't have been looking and waiting for a son. And John the Baptist would not have been born if they had not been in agreement. And John the Baptist ushered in the coming of Jesus Christ into the earth. So if, if the Trion or the Trinity, if they had not worked together in unity, the great plan of salvation would never have taken place. Jesus wouldn't have been born through Mary because the Holy Spirit was the one who had to agree to come upon her so that she could be with child with our Savior. And had he not been born as a man, how could he then affect the plan of salvation? The most powerful event that has taken place through the ages, his death and resurrection, wouldn't have happened if they hadn't been in agreement. The powerful act took place because they agreed one with another and stood as one, or we wouldn't be here. Unified power. So that's one perspective, that we serve a God who is indeed three in one. And from him or from them, all power comes. And everything that was and everything that is and is to come is because of them. And we can do nothing without them. How does unified power look in us, in the earth? The first example I'd like to give is one from a prophetic story. One of when locusts um, came as a promise of a judgment on Israel. So in Joel chapter 2, it describes the soldiers or the locusts, it describes them or depicts them as soldiers. Joel chapter 2, verse 6 says, Fear grips the waiting people. Their faces grow pale with fright. These soldiers charge like infantry. They scale the walls like picked and trained commandos. Straightforward they march, never breaking ranks. They never crowd each other. Each is right in place. As a result, no weapon can stop them. They never break ranks, these locusts, so no weapon is able to stop them because they march as one. They stay together, they're unified. That brings them victory. No weapon is able to stop them because they march together as one. What about when man works together? Joshua chapter 6, the story of the walls of Jericho. 
They obeyed the instructions of God. They were to march around the walls of Jericho once for six days and then seven times on the last day. Now, they could have all got up and just marched and did what they want, but they were given a structure. Some of the army ahead, the priests, the trumpeters, the ark, more of the army behind. And they were told to do that for six days. They didn't break ranks. On the seventh day, they were told to do the same thing seven times. They didn't break ranks. What would have happened if they had, if the soldiers at the rear decided, ah, I can't do one more time, let's go and sit down? What would have happened if the soldiers at the front said, let the priests lead, let the trumpeters lead? But they obeyed, they worked in unison with the command of the Lord. As a result, the thick, walled city, the walls fell. And they were able to conquer. They had power because they were together. They were in unity. In the book of Acts, this is one of my favorites. They were praying together for Peter. He'd been sent to prison. But Acts 12 verse 5 says, Earnest prayer was going up to God from the church for his safety all the time he was in prison. So the whole time he was in prison, a group of people came together and they were earnest in prayer. One person may have prayed and God could have answered, but there's something about doing it together, isn't there? There's something about standing together in unity. And by standing together in earnest prayer, they saw the miracle. It wasn't just that the authorities came and said, well, okay, you haven't really done anything wrong, you can go. It was supernatural power where chains fell off, where the angel came and led Peter out of the prison. In fact, those praying were not ready for the supernatural because they were surprised when he came. But the fact is their corporate, their unified prayer made a difference. It made a difference. I think about the song, Feed the World. Feed the world. I know you know it. So there was a cause. You know what it's like to raise money. You go on the streets, you see the people with their charity tins, and they're putting money into the tins, and... You can get a fair amount of money like that. You see the buskers, they're singing on the streets, and you see the change thrown in. But there was a cause. And they could have raised half a million pounds, a million pounds. But they had the presence of mind to bring together prominent stars that would get the world's attention. So one person didn't put their own single out, and then another put their own song out, and then another. But they came together and made a song that went worldwide and raised so much money. The power of coming together. It brings success. It gets attention. I'm going to share a story about um, 
a group of Christians who came before Parliament a number of years ago. Uh, there was a law that was going to be passed. I cannot, for the life of me, remember what it was. But I do remember holding up a banner, and I do remember marching with colleagues from um, a certain church. <laughs> I do remember a very young-looking Scot among us. <laughs> and I remember us gathering many churches, many Christians. There was a law that was being voted on and we, were, we didn't want it to happen. The power of coming together and the power of praying meant that a certain prime minister forgot to cast his vote and therefore the item was quashed. Because we came together and we stood, we prayed together, we rallied together, we caught the attention of people. But much more than that, behind it was the power of God because of our corporate prayer. Look at the times that the Lord would tell the people of Israel to gather at the mountain, at the foot of the mountain. There's something in that corporate, in that unified gathering, in the unified coming together. And so just for that one time, a vote was forgotten to be cast, and we had victory. Think about the times in your life where you've needed victory. You've had a problem, you've had an issue, and you've needed help. And you felt that you can't do it alone. Perhaps you've had a cell group stand with you, cell members to deal with an issue or a situation that you just couldn't deal with. And you've seen results. I know that there are testimonies here of that. Something about being in one mind, about being in one accord, about having one purpose. I remember a time when I had a family member that was ill, and the fact that I could call on so many people for prayer was incredible because of our network of cells that we had. One cell passed on to another cell, to another cell, to another cell. To A lot of people were praying. The way I felt in that time was upheld. I felt the power of God hearing many people bringing something to his attention. Another scripture, and then I'll ask us some questions, some things to really think about. In Genesis chapter 11, verses 5 to 7, we have the story of, of God himself exclaiming what it could be like if people came together. Genesis 11, verses 5 to 7, but when God came down to see the city and the tower mankind was making. He said, look, if they are able to accomplish all this when they have just begun to exploit their linguistic and political unity, just think of what they will do later. Nothing will be unattainable for them. That's the amplified version, my favorite lengthy version of the Bible. But it's talking about when men decided to try and build a tower in Babel because they wanted to reach a height and they spoke one language. 
And imagine God himself saying, look, if they're able to accomplish all this when they've only just begun to exploit political unity, to exploit working together, to exploit what they could do as one, if that's what they could accomplish, think of what they will do later. Nothing will be unattainable for them. Nothing would be impossible for them. If they were allowed to go on, God put a stop to it. He gave them different languages and they scattered. They couldn't communicate. They couldn't talk anymore. But he understood the power of one. He understood what unified power would do, what it could bring. That they could, <laughs> well, there was nothing that they couldn't achieve. Last scripture, Psalms 133 from the Living Bible. from verse 1, I think, how wonderful it is, how pleasant when brothers live in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the fragrant anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head and ran down into his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew on Mount Hermon, on the mountains of Israel, when God has pronounced this eternal blessing on Jerusalem, even life forevermore. How wonderful it is, how pleasant, when brothers live in harmony. I want us to take some time this afternoon to examine what does it really mean to live in and walk in unified power? How should it look as we go about our daily lives? Can we be in full agreement with each other like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost who, because of their agreement, brought about this great plan of salvation? Is it possible that we could align ourselves to walk in that level of unity with each other? I have to bring in a little bit of the soul talk course that some of us recently were on. We were learning about how to put f first things back where they belong. How to take away second things and put them in their rightful place below God. For some people, it meant putting away their own personal fight. In order to become or to come into agreement with another member of the body of Christ. Not necessarily an easy thing to do. But the, the need for unity, the need to come together, that will bring about the power of God in our lives isn't even worth, you know, there's nothing that we could express more. When I was first born again, I was so excited about the Lord. I mean, you know the zeal you have when you first become a Christian. You want to tell everybody about, you know, that you've become a Christian and you expect everybody to be happy 
and you have this kind of zeal, I can be anything, I can do anything, I carry the power of God, I can cast out demons, I can raise the dead, I can, I can, I can. And you kind of convince yourself that you're like this mighty superman, superwoman. Nothing will break you, nothing will penetrate you. And all the power of God is unleashed for you to do with what you want. And it was great functioning like that for a while. And then I could see that some things weren't actually happening the way that I thought they should happen. And the zeal and the excitement starts to kind of wane a little bit. But the reality is, a lack of understanding of really what that power is for. To make a difference in the lives of people around us. When we look at the way that the Trinity works in sync with each other, in agreement with each other, I could leave my church, you know, when I was first born again, go on the high street, lay hands on the sick, cast out the devil out of somebody that looked like they needed it, and get on with my own thing. But what was I doing alongside my church? What was I doing alongside the vision that they may have been carrying? Was there any real power? Was there any, ever really any change that affected any life? Coming into a church that has a cell vision led me to know that there was an importance in discipling each other. And discipling groups of people caused them to grow together, to stand together, to work together in one vision, and to see what unity brings. Many answers to prayers. Every single time my cell and I get together and we pray, the next day God has answered at least one prayer. Unified prayer, unified, standing together. When I was out on my own trying to cast out the de demons out of the guy on the high street, it wasn't working. I was alone. But with a group of people reaching out in our local high street, people would begin to get saved. So there's something about the unity of God. So my question is, what brings disunity? So many obvious answers. How is it that we can't quite see ourselves aligned like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? How is it that we're not replicating the way that they're moving and agreeing together and working together? What is it we're missing? What is it that we're not doing that we should be doing? I will bring up that for us to walk together in unity, we have to love each other, don't we? With God's love, though. We have to put away things that would bring disunity. We have to make choices. Sometimes, really difficult choices. But understand that that power comes when we're together. So we've got to forgive, haven't we? Yes. We know we've got to, 
We hear it so many times. Didn't you have a message this morning on total forgiveness? Was it brilliant? Are you there? Yes. We have to, don't we? If we're going to see the power of God at work in our lives, in our church, in our localities. We have to learn to walk together, to see the unified power of God at work. How are we going to take London? Last Wednesday, there would have been prayer going up for our Filipino community and for the borough of Lambeth. And there are many boroughs in London that we need to pray for and stand together and reach out for. At Easter, there was the Brixton outreach going on, which I heard was very successful. A group of people coming together with a purpose. How are we going to take London? We come into church, and so-and-so is not talking to so-and-so, and so-and-so is not talking to so-and-so. And so. How are we going to reach London when those things are still there? When we're not replicating the Trinity? When we're not agreeing together? When we, when we want to do our own thing over there? Unified power comes when we walk together and when we agree together. And it means in everything that we do, we must have our hearts pure and ready to agree. We're in a house which has a vision that we follow. That's fantastic. Let's follow it to its fullness. Let's get rid of the things that would hinder us walking in power and in unity. Who's ready to do that? Who's ready to do that? Why don't we stand? If the worship team would like to come back, they can for a few minutes. I want us to pray a couple of prayers. And if some towards the end feel that you need some ministry into any of the areas that we're going to pray for for the next few minutes, then you can come forward and we'll have some prayer for you at the front. The first thing I would like us to do is to focus on the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, each aspect of them, the one who created us, the privilege it is that we were created, that he thought of us and designed for us to be in the earth. To think of the sacrifice that the Son of God made in order for us to be able to be adopted into his family. And then to think about the fact that this great God would leave his presence to dwell in us individually. To walk with us personally day by day by day. I'd like us to begin to pray about those aspects and begin to ask the Lord to show us the power of that unity. And then we're going to pray about anything else that's in our hearts that will stop us from attaining that unity as a body.
Father, in case you should be praying for me for a second. Peace as well. Thank you. Begin to think about the Father and the Son. Begin to thank the Father for thinking of you, for forming you, for before you were formed in your mother's womb, for having planned you, for knowing and, and designing you to come forth. That he chose to create us. Begin to thank him for that. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Knitting us together in our mother's wombs. He chose a Claudette to be and a Scott to be. He designed us. And it's a privilege. Begin to thank him for Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. That he sent his son to save us. Thank him for adopting us into his family. Drawing us to himself. Holy Spirit to live in us, giving us power to live daily, to walk with us so we're never alone. As you're thanking him, I pray, Lord, let us see how they have always agreed together. You, the Father, you, the Son, you, the Holy Spirit. And the power of that agreement, look, the things that have been accomplished in the earth, the plan of salvation because you stood in agreement together in unity caused the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for that, Father. Teach us how to recognize and understand what it is to walk in agreement together like you do. And now, Father, I ask you, release your forgiveness on every heart still bound by a wound or a hurt still bound by a situation they do not desire to give up. Give them the power to release the situation, to bring forgiveness, to let go where justice is desired. Oh, Lord Jesus. To give up on dreams that were never given by you in the first place. to release resentment. Some even hold resentments against you because they're still single or this answer hasn't come or that answer hasn't come. That dream is not fulfilled. Father, even now, I ask you to release your forgiveness as you enter every heart afresh. 
let each begin to see the possibility of what can happen in our lives if we begin to walk together in unity, submitting one to another, just like you do. In agreement, lives changed. Purposes beginning to be fulfilled because we put down the wrongs and we take up your rights and we agree with you, Lord. I pray for change in each life today here. I pray that you heal, deliver, rescue, set crooked paths straight, Lord Jesus. Ah. Realign us, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As we close, if there, is, if there are one or two people that you feel you need some personal prayer into any of these areas, come forward and we'll see that you're ministered to. For the rest of you, begin to walk in the unity and the power of unity together, one with another, in every way possible from this day forward. God bless you.